Hello, everyone. My name's Ariel. Yes, really. And this is Fairy Tale. Normally, this week we'd be doing a comedic episode, but uh, between Scott being exhausted from his trip back from his in laws, um, some. Uh, triggering incidents uh, for me this week that disabled me for the better part of three days and taking my roommate to the hospital yesterday. I'm afraid it's going to be just a short story today, but we'll see what we can do to hit y'all up next week. All right. Um, As a quick reminder, you can support the show by going to patreon.com and finding us under fairy tale podcast and uh, becoming one of our muses, you can go to ko-fi.com slash chaos underscore lily, L-I-L-L-Y, if you would prefer to do a one-time donation, or Venmo me at Chaos Lily Creations. Again, that's Chaos Lily, C-H-A-O-S-L-I-L-L-Y. You can also reach out to me at Chaos Lily Creations on Instagram and Facebook, or you can send us an email at chaoslilycreations at gmail.com. And As always, please, 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 please leave a rate and review wherever you're listening, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts, it drives us up the charts, and Scott likes to hear that we're doing a good job, and that people enjoy his work. Alright, here we go. Sinbad's Second Voyage I had resolved, as you know, on my return from my first voyage to spend the rest of my days quietly in Baghdad. But very soon I grew tired of such an idle life and longed once more to find myself upon the sea. I procured, therefore, such goods as were suitable for the places I intended to visit, and embarked for the second time in a good ship with other merchants whom I knew to be honorable men. We went from island to island, often making excellent bargains, until one day we landed at a spot which, though covered with fruit trees and abounding with springs of excellent water, appeared to possess neither houses nor people. While my companions wandered here and there gathering flowers and fruit, I sat down in a shady place and, having heartily enjoyed the provisions and the wine I brought with me, I fell asleep, lulled by the murmur of the clear brook which flowed close by. How long I slept I knew not, but when I opened my eyes and started to my feet, I perceived with horror that I was alone and that the ship was gone. I rushed to and fro like one distracted, uttering cries of despair. In front of the shore, I saw the vessel under full sail just disappearing upon the horizon. I wished bitterly enough that I had consented to stay at home in safety, but, since wishes could do me no good, I presently took courage and looked about me for a means of escape. When I had climbed a tall tree, I first of all directed my anxious glances toward the sea, but finding nothing hopeful there, I turned landward, and my curiosity was excited by a huge, dazzling white object so far off I could not make out what it might be. Descending from the tree, I hastily collected what remained of my provisions and set off as fast as I could go towards it. As I drew near, it seemed to be a white ball of immense size and height, and when I could touch it, I found it marvelously smooth and soft. It was impossible to climb it, for it presented no foothold. I walked around it, seeking some opening, but there was none. I counted, however, that it was at least fifty paces round. By this time, the sun was nearer setting, but quite suddenly it fell dark, and something like a huge black cloud came swiftly over me, and I saw that it was a bird of extraordinary size which was hovering near. Then I remembered I had often heard the sailor speak of a wonderful bird called a rock, and it occurred to me that the white object which so puzzled me must be its egg. 
Surely enough, the bird settled down slowly upon it, covering it with its wings to keep it warm, and it cowered close beside the egg in such a position that one of the bird's feet, which was as large as the trunk of a tree, was just in front of me. Taking off my turban, I bound myself securely to it with a linen in the hopes that the rock, when it took flight the next morning, would bear me away with it from the desolate island. And this was precisely what did happen. As soon as the dawn appeared, the bird rose into the air, carrying me up until I could no longer see the earth, and then suddenly it descended so swiftly that I almost lost consciousness. When I became aware that the rock had settled and that I was once again upon solid ground, I hastily unbound my turban from its foot and freed myself. Not a moment too soon, for the bird, pouncing upon a huge snake, killed it with a few blows from its powerful beak, and seizing it, rose into the air once more and soon disappeared from my view. When I had looked about me, I began to doubt if I had gained anything by quitting the desolate island. The valley in which I found myself was deep and narrow, and surrounded by mountains which towered into the clouds, and were so steep and rocky that there was no way of climbing up their sides. As I wandered about, seeking anxiously for some means of escaping from this trap, I observed that the ground was strewn with diamonds, some of them of an astonishing size. This sight gave me great pleasure, but my delight was speedily dampened when I also saw a number of horrible snakes so long and so large that the smallest of them could have swallowed an elephant with ease. Fortunately for me, they seemed to hide in the caverns of the rocks by day, and only came out by night, probably because of their enemy the rock. All day I wandered up and down the valley, and when it grew dusk I crept into a little cave, and having blocked up the entrance to it with a stone, I ate part of my little store of food and lay down to sleep. But all through the night the serpents crawled to and fro, hissing horribly, so that I could scarcely close my eyes for terror. I was thankful when the morning light appeared, and when I judged by the silence that the serpents had retreated to their dens, I came out tremblingly from my cave and wandered up and down the valley once more, kicking the diamonds contemptuously out of my path, for I felt that they were indeed vain things to a man in my situation. At last, overcome with weariness, I sat down upon a rock, but I had hardly closed my eyes when I was startled by something which fell to the ground with a thud close beside me. It was a huge piece of meat, and as I stared at it, several more pieces rolled over the cliffs in different places. I had always thought that the stories the sailors told of the famous Valley of Diamonds and the cunning way which some merchants had devised for getting the precious stones were mere traveler's tales invented to give pleasure to the hearers, but now I perceived that they were surely true. These merchants came to the valley, and at the time when the eagles, which kept their eyries on the rock, hatched their young. The merchants then threw great lumps of meat into the valley. These, falling with so much force upon the diamonds, were surely to take up some of the precious stones with them, when the eagles pounced upon the meat and carried it off to their nests to feed their hungry broods. Then the merchants, scaring away the parent birds with shouts and outcries, would secure their treasures. Until this moment I had looked upon the valley as my grave, for I had seen no possibility of getting out of it alive, but now I took courage and began to devise a means of escape. I began by picking up all the largest diamonds I could find and storing them carefully in the leathern wallet which had held my provisions. This I tied securely to my belt. Then I chose the piece of meat which seemed the most suited to my purpose, and with the aid of my turban bound it firmly to my back. This done, I lay down upon my face and awaited the coming of the eagles. Soon I heard the flapping of their mighty wings over me and had the satisfaction of feeling one of them seize upon my piece of meat, and me with it, and rising slowly towards his nest, into which he presently dropped me. Luckily for me, the merchants were on the watch, and setting up their usual outcries, they rushed to the nest, scaring away their eagle. Their amazement was great for when they discovered me, and also their disappointment. With one accord, they fell to abusing me for having robbed them of their usual profit, addressing myself to the one who seemed most grieved. I am sure that if you knew all that I had suffered, you would show me more kindness. And as for the diamonds, I have enough here for the very best of you and me and all your company. 
So saying, I showed them to him. The others all crowded around me, wondering at my adventures and admiring the device by which I had escaped the valley. And when they had led me to their camp, they examined my diamonds, and they assured me in all the years they had carried on their trade, they hadn't seen no stones to be compared with them for size and beauty. I found that each merchant chose a particular nest and took his chance of what he might find in it. So I begged that the one who owned the nest to which I had been carried to take as much as he would of my treasure, but he contented himself with one stone, and by no means the largest, assuring me that with such a gem his fortune was made, and he need toil no more. I stayed with the merchant several days, then, as they were journeying homewards, I gladly accompanied them. Our way lay across high mountains infested with frightful serpents, but we had such good luck to escape them, and at last came to seashore. Thence we sailed to the Isle of Rohat, where the camphor trees grow to such a size that a hundred men could shelter under one of them with ease. The sap flows from an incision made high up in the tree into a vessel hung there to receive it, and soon hardens into the substance called camphor, but the tree itself withers up and dies when it has been so treated. In this same island we saw the rhinoceros, an animal which is smaller than an elephant and larger than a buffalo. It has one horn about a cubit long which is solid, but has a furrow from the base to the tip. Upon it is traced in white lines the figure of a man. The rhinoceros fights with the elephant, and, transfixing him with his horn, carries him off upon his head. But becoming blinded by the blood of his enemy, he falls helpless to the ground, and then comes the rock, and clutches them both up in his talons, and takes them away to feed his young. This doubtless astonishes you, but if you do not believe my tale, go to Rohat and see for yourself. For fear of wearying you, I pass over in silence many other wonderful things which we saw on this island. But before we left, I exchanged one of my diamonds for much goodly merchandise by which I profited greatly on our homeward way. At last we reached Balsora, whence I hastened to Baghdad, and my first action was to bestow large sums of money upon the poor, after which I settled down to enjoy tranquilly the riches I had gained with so much toil and pain. Having thus related the adventures of the second voyage, Sinbad again bestowed a hundred sequins upon Hinbad, inviting him to come again the following day to hear how he fared upon his third voyage. The other guests also departed to their homes, but all returned at the same hour next day, including the porter, whose former life of hard work and poverty had already begun to seem to him like a bad dream. Again, after the feast was over, did Sinbad claim the attention of his guests and began to recount his third voyage, which we'll have to wait for another day. Thank you again all for listening. I apologize for not being able to deliver a comedic tale this week. Once again, you can uh, reach out to us at chaoslilycreations at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-O-S-L-I-L-L-Y creations at gmail.com or at chaoslilycreations on Instagram and Facebook. You can also support the podcast by going to Fairy Tale Podcast on Patreon and becoming one of our muses. Or you can go to ko-fi.com slash chaos underscore lily or Venmo me at Chaos Lily Creations if you prefer to make a one-time donation. Again, please, please, please support the podcast by rating and reviewing at the very least, wherever you're listening. Thank you so much. My editor is Scott Hill. Uh, Passing Beauty by Dan Philipson is our theme and licensed through premiumbeats.com. Hopefully everyone is faring well. Be kind to each other. This is Ariel, swimming off.
It was a huge piece of meat, and I stared at it. And it has a furrow deep in the base to the tip, pacing horribly, so I could carry fairy tale podcast. I have the bit. Hmm. And now I took courage and began to devise means of escape during the day.